Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Have you had a chance to receive any good advice lately? Anybody received any good advice lately? Uh, We get lots of advice uh, throughout our lives. And um, so uh, this one here, this is actually a really, really, it's really a sign. It's not just a joke. Uh, Do not feed the alligators, okay? I'm not sure I would need someone to tell me that, um, but I guess occasionally it does happen. So that's that's really good advice. Don't feed the alligators. Uh, I don't know if you can read this one or not, but um, this is a underwater, and I think it's a, uh, what is it, a lobster saying to a fish, if the sign says, fish, colon, all you can eat, don't go near the place, okay? (laughs) So that's... uh, that's good advice if you're a, a fish. Uh, what is the best advice you have ever received? Well, I can ask you that. What is the best? I, I don't want a sermon. That's my job this morning. <laughs> but would anybody like to share? Do you ever, have you ever received a piece of advice that has just stuck with you uh, that you remember? What is the best advice? or Not maybe the best, but a piece of advice you received that you've always remembered that has come in helpful. Anybody want to share a piece of advice? Has anybody ever got any advice in their life that uh, you can remember? Yes, Jerry. Good. Good starting point for all of us. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Karen, nice and loud. Good. All right. When you have a problem, don't start with the problem. Start with God. Bob? What's that? Failure is fertilizer. All right. Failure is fertilizer. Thank you, Bob. Very good. Somebody had a hand up over here. Linda, nice and loud. Think before you speak, okay? (laughs) All right. Emily. All right. Don't point at me. (laughs) If you have to justify it, it's probably wrong. I thought she was going to say, if you were in Israel, you'd be in the army. Because that's what I used to always tell. I'd tell the girls whenever they complain. If, because if you're in Israel, you're 18, you'd be in the army. Which is not a bad thing. But yeah, if you have to justify it, it's probably wrong. Okay, anybody else? Yes. For Barbara. Right, okay. Know what you believe and why. Know what you believe and why you believe it. Very good. Okay, one more. Yeah, Donna. Pray until something happens. Very good, Donna. Thank you. Very good. Good advice. We've all received advice. Well, uh, I guess really you could say the Bible is our advice, isn't it? And a lot of the things we've been talking about are, even though they may not be other than John 3.16, literally from the Scripture, they are certainly scripturally inspired thoughts as we consider what God has for us. Uh, Let's have a word of prayer. Fathers, we open your word, and we realize that uh, your word gives us uh, the guidelines to live by, a life that is pleasing to you, a life that can make a difference in this world. What a privilege. And so we thank you as we gather gather this morning, uh, that we we gather in freedom, 
We do not gather in fear today. We thank you for that. We never take that for granted, Lord. And Father, might we uh, take that seriously and uh, understand our commitment as your children, as your family, to know your word, to know what we believe, know why we believe it, but then also to live by it. So bless your word now to our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our advice, we've been learning memory verses. And so part of what we've been doing is trying to help you build the context around these verses that we have been memorizing. We're just going to do this for two more Sundays, this Sunday and next Sunday. And we're not going to stop memorizing because it goes to the end of the year. But our sermons are going to switch on Sunday morning to an all-church Sunday school and morning service uh, focused on the life of David uh, through the month of October. So, uh, but for the next two weeks, we're going to wrap up our, our, our time on Sunday morning doing this. Let's say last week's advice to us, um, is that the right one? There it is. Are you looking at Galatians 5.16? Very good. Thank you. Galatians 5.16. Let's say it together. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not satisfy the desires of the sinful nature. And we talked about last week that the word there, live by, is the word walk. And we see that throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament. The Old Testament Hebrew word that's used to translate the Hebrew and the Greek is the word that the apostles use and Paul particularly uses all the time, this word walk. Walk by the Spirit. Walk according to the Lord's will. Don't walk according to the sinful nature. Walk after God. How you walk. Walk circumspectly. My mom used to always recite that verse when she's careful not to fall. I say, walk circumspectly, as it says in the King James. So this, this advice to us we talked about last week is to walk by the Holy Spirit. And that is the key to not walking according to the desires of our sinful nature, which we are all so well aware of. So today's verse, today's verse that we're going to look at is 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. Say this with me. Flee the evil desires of youth, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. A little bit longer verse this week, but I'd like to encourage you, uh, let's finish strong. You know, you want to finish well. Many of you have been memorizing these verses, and maybe about this time of year we start to kind of sock off a little bit. Let's finish strong, and let's try to continue to remember these verses and memorize them and commit them to our hearts. That word have I hid in my heart that what? I might not sin against you. It's very, very important. Now, this particular verse, and this is a case, I think, where as we look at it in its context, it can really help us, I I think, to really understand this. If you took this verse and simply isolated it and just looked at it um, it, with what it says right there by itself, flee the evil desires of you. You can open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to be in 2 Timothy this morning. If it's 2 Timothy, open your Bibles, or if you have your tablet, whatever you're using this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and this is verse 22. And so this, this phrase, flee the evil desires of youth. And then the opposite, run away from and run toward righteousness, faith, love, and peace. So the question is, I'd like to ask you as you consider this, what are 
these desires of youth. Now, in the King James, in some of their translations, we learned it with the word passions. And that really is a good word to, to translate this. The passions of youth. What are the passions of youth? Now, as you, um, can you all hear me okay today? Okay, good. All right, I'm, I'm sure because I know it's a little different up here for me. So if you have any trouble, just let me know. We'll, we'll talk louder, okay? Um, so what are the passions of youth? Now, we might, it would be very easy to assume, given the context of Scripture and various guidelines and so on, on, on moral, uh, moral teachings and guidelines, it would be easy to assume that, well, of course, what Paul is talking about here are the sensual passions that are awakened in youth, right? The sensual passions of, of sexuality, of, um, of, uh, of money, of of things of, of, that you want to get ahead, of all these different passions of youth. That would be maybe sort of a natural, the sinful nature, you know, we talk about. And we kind of relegate it down to these, these, these areas, these, these sensuality areas. I want to suggest to you this morning that that probably is not the focus here. No, not that that is not true. But I'm not sure that's just a true for issue for youth, right? I mean, look at the news, you know, I mean... Who are all the people that are that are always in the news about um, getting in trouble because of giving in to these sensual passions? I'm going to suggest to you that in the context, we might get a, a clue as to what Paul really has in mind here. Now, remember the context of Timothy. 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, or what we call the pastoral epistles. And the reason we call them that is because they were letters that Paul wrote to individuals, not to churches, not to an area like Galatians. He wrote these to individuals. And these individuals, we could say, were pastors slash elders. They were leaders in the church that, that Paul had left, for example, at Ephesus. He left Timothy there to, to lead this church, to train elders and others to teach and to, to shepherd this flock. Uh, and so he, he's writing to shepherds. He's writing to pastors. And so we call these the pastoral epistles. The interesting thing about 2 Timothy is it's, it's pretty much universally accepted in, in Christian scholarship and, and Bible teaching that this is Paul's last epistle. You come to the end of 2 Timothy, and just as you read the end of it, and you read things um, like, you know, I'm ready to be poured out as, a, as an offering. The Lord will rescue me from every, every attack. Um, you know, he, he's talking about a man who's about to end his life. And we believe that this is when Paul was arrested and he is no longer under house arrest. This time he is in the prison, the dungeon, if you will. And he's about to be executed as a Roman citizen, have his, his, his head chopped off as a Roman citizen, as a leader in this Christian group, this Christian sect. So this is probably Paul's last letter, his last advice from God. That he was been given by the Holy Spirit to Pastor Timothy, and I think we could say to all the leaders and all the future leaders, and as we, as, we, as we see in our verse, to all those who call upon the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. And so this is advice to Timothy. So what is the advice? What are the passions of youth that he is to run away from? He is to flee from. It's a strong word. It's, it's to run. It's, if you see danger coming... Uh, you know, don't feed the alligators. You know, if the alligator's coming, you run, right? 
I mean, I can remember we were in Africa walking along the, I think it was the Zambezi River maybe, and uh, we were a little careless because we were told later, you shouldn't get that close to the shore. There are crocodiles in there. You shouldn't get that close. And in fact, you know what animal kills more people in that area than any other animal? Huh? The hippos. Yeah. And uh, I said, they're right there, so you be careful. And we're walking around, and, and literally there's an elephant about from here to that door. Teresa and I saw standing there as well. We were out walking this area by our hotel, and the river was here, and, and there was the elephant. And we should have run. We should have left because we found out later that's not very smart either because they can attack you. You know, they look so gentle, you know. Um, leave. Get away from danger. What is the danger? Well, certainly sensuality can be a danger. I'm not saying that's not that. But look at the context. So to read this context, let's go back to verse 19. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold. This is a, a practical illustration from our own households, their own households. There are articles of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for very noble purposes and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee those wicked things. Turn away from those things. Flee the evil desires of youth, our verse for this week. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now look at the context. It's generally when Paul tells us not to do something, he tells us what to do. We see this throughout his epistles. He says in, in Colossians and Ephesians, he says, Take off the garments of these various characteristics and instead put on the garments. Take off the coat and put on the coat. When he tells us not to do something, he gives us advice from the Holy Spirit of what to do instead. And so notice what the instead here is. He says, flee the evil desires of youth, pursue these good qualities, and then he tells us what not to do. He tells Timothy, don't do this. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. I'll put this verse up here for you as well. Not resentful. Those who oppose him he must gently instruct. Now, isn't it interesting, and I find it very interesting, that in this context where Paul says, Timothy, flee the evil desires. You're a, you're a leader. You're a shepherd. You're a pastor. You're a young person. Now, in the old first century world, there really wasn't what we call today teenagers in, in, their, in their thinking. You were young or you were old. Okay? So there's sort of a graying line there between, between the two. This is not just to teenagers and adults. This is younger and older. But he says, as a younger leader, Timothy, as a younger pastor, you need to flee these evil desires. And I think these are the evil desires he's focusing on here. 
He says these evil desires have to do with getting embroiled in and pursuing foolish arguments, dissension, quarrels. The word for quarrel there is the same word for fight, for verbal fights. You must not quarrel. Timothy, flee these evil desires. These are passions of youth. Flee these things. But instead, don't quarrel, but instead be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Now, certainly, those are qualities across the age span. I understand that. But as we think about this, and as I thought about this, and, you know, I've been in the ministry now 40 years, and uh, it's hard to believe. I know I, don't, I know I don't look that old, but I am, okay? And, and you look back over, over my life and my, my years training for ministry in college in high school, I was, I wanted to be, uh, my goal was to be a youth pastor. You know that? So I was going to be a youth pastor. That's what I felt called to. Uh, my football coach at Lincoln High School, good man, really had an impact on my life. Mr. Mahosky, good, Walt Bowen knew Mr. Mahosky. Um, he was quite disappointed when he had me scholarship offers coming from around the country for football. I wasn't that good, but I was the right size, right? And they could put a couple hundred, hundred pounds on me and, you know, put me on the line. And I was the uh, right size. And uh, I had to tell him, I said, I said, Mr. Mahosky, I, I really don't want to play college football. I, I really feel God wants me to be a youth pastor. And that was disappointing because he was retiring that year. It was his last year as coach. Um, and that was my goal. And then I uh, went to college for two years, and I came home, and I interned here at Brian. I took a year off and interned at the church here. Still, And I interned here with uh, Dick Ely in youth work. But during that year... I started spending a lot of time with Marlon Olson. And by the end of that year, even though I filled in full-time as youth pastor for, I think, five months when Dick left to go to the first, at the end of that year, I knew God was calling me to Christian education. Uh, I loved working with Marlon Olson, a dear brother. And I learned a lot from Marlon Olson, a lot of good advice from Marlon Olson. Um, And uh, one one of the pieces of advice Marlon gave me was, he said one time, he says, People asked, he, they were missionaries. Marlon and Gunny were missionaries in Taiwan uh, before the, he came back here to serve as our, our Christian ed pastor. And he, Marlon said, you know, I uh, was asked one time, what's the hardest thing about being a missionary? And you know what he said? He said, the hardest thing is to do your job because there's nobody watching you. You are not, there's no, your, your board's not there. You're, you could say anything you want to your board and make it look good, but to be faithful and do your job, that is the biggest challenge. And I, I remember that advice because that is so true in my, in my life and in ministry. Because uh, my, my elder board, you know, we talk and so on, but they're not here. I, I could waste all sorts of time and still make it look good. But I'm responsible to, to that was good advice he gave me, to, to do your job. Do what you're called to do. I went and finished my training, and I did work in Christian education for about nine years in Minneapolis and here, and then called, was called by God to serve as, as your pastor. And so I look back over my life, and I, and I look at this. What are, the, what are these passions of youth that can be so uh, dangerous to leadership, to ministry, and to life in general? Think back uh, for, for those of you who are older. And isn't it true that one of the challenges... And this is not relegated to youth, but one of the challenges as a young adult is self-assertion and sometimes intolerance because we know we're right. We know what our, we, we have strong passions and feelings about 
what is right. We, you know, pastors come into a church and they have strong feelings about what's right for that church without taking time to really understand the church, right? And a lot of damage can be done. Um, you know, we, we, in, our, in, our, in your world, it's, it's very easy to become very convinced and there's a, there's a passion and, uh, and, 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 and a passion in young people that we have that if channeled right is so positive and can be so wonderful. But if we're not careful, it can also be our biggest downfall to find that balance in life. And you know, when, when, he, when he says here that flee these things, but instead, Timothy, I'm asking you, don't get embroiled in foolish arguments. You don't have to win every argument, right? You don't have to always be right. Timothy, this is going to be a temptation. You don't have to do that. I've often said, now I'll be careful about it. I'll be careful because I know that this is not a, this is not a black and white thing. But you know, sometimes you give up the right to be right in an argument. Do you have to really be right about everything? Do you have to know for sure that this is the way things should happen? Do you have to make sure your that, that your opinion is correct? Sometimes you don't have to be right about everything. Someone has said, uh, one of the commentators, that that we, we, can, be, we can be firm in, 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 our, in our beliefs and still tolerant in our attitudes. I don't know if you get that. It's, it's, you can have firm beliefs and values and still have tolerance in how you work with people and treat people. Isn't that what Paul says here to Timothy? He says, don't, verse 23, have anything to do. Anything. These are, these are strong words, friends. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. When was the last time you had a stupid argument? Right? And afterward you thought to yourself, boy, that was stupid. Kyle, who's talking to your wife? What are you doing? You're chairman of the elder board. Don't sit and talking to your wife about that. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. <laughs> stupid arguments. We all know what we're talking about, right? And, and after you think, ah, did I really have to die on that hill? Right? You don't, did I have to die on that hill, or, or was it, would it have been okay to let go of that one? He says, don't have anything to do with it. You know why. He, look what he says here, verse 23. The end result is they produce, they, they make quarrels and fights. This is in the church. This is among believers, brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. Timothy, you're going to be tempted. You are, you are the leader. You're pastor. People are going to be looking to you. And you're going to be tempted to have to always be right. And you're going to be tempted to be drawn into these. You know, sometimes when their commentator said, when it comes to heresies, sometimes heresy is 10% doctrinal error and 90% stubbornness. Right? You just will not let go. And he says, don't do this, Timothy. Instead, look at the alternative. Here's what you should flee the evil desires of youth. Flee these passions that... That, that, that convince you, you have to be right. These passions that you have to be a charge, that you have to do everything that you think is the way to do it. Instead, run toward this instead. Don't quarrel. Don't fight. Here's the opposite. Verse 24, be kind to everyone. Now listen, Timothy is in a situation, the whole context of Second Timothy, John W. Stott's a uh, little commentary he wrote for University Press years ago. It's a great title, Guard the Gospel. That's what this book is about. It's about standing for the truth of the gospel. Because Timothy is facing 
false teachers. In fact, he is facing, he is facing false teachers that you'll see in here that, that Paul says they're just like Janus and Jambres. Remember the magicians that when Moses and Aaron did the miracles before Pharaoh and the magicians and Pharaoh in, in Egypt duplicated these, these miracles by sleight of hand or whatever, whatever, however they did it. And the Jewish literature names them Janus and Jambres. And that's why Paul says, just as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, these false teachers are going to withstand you. So this is serious. I mean, this is not like, Paul is not saying, Timothy, it doesn't matter. Just, we can all agree to agree. We can agree to disagree, and you can believe everything you want at once. That's not true. But what he is saying is how you respond. He's so good. Even to those who want to quarrel, who want to fight, even to those who are teaching these fall, how do you treat them? You treat them with kindness and you oppose them gently with proper instruction. Friends, that is good advice. That is good advice. And this is advice that Timothy, I believe, took to heart. The end result, the end result of not being drawn in through the passions of youth into these quarrels and this ascent that you have to be right about everything and that and that these, these strong feelings about things. He said, find that balance. And he said, here's the, here's the result. The result is in the hope that God, notice this, that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. They will come to their sin. This is serious. And escape from the trap of the devil. This this is language used in throughout the New Testament. This idea of entrapment. The, the devil is like a roaring lion that what goes around seeking whom he may devour. That's serious. We're not. I mean, we're talking about serious stuff here. And yet, this serious stuff can be handled in a godly way that would allow God to take the action and to lead them to change. To lead them to repentance. If you oppose them gently and instruct them in the truth, maybe God will do this. Maybe God will take these people who have been taken captive to do his will. And he will change their lives. Friends, this is good advice. And I was thinking about this as we think about our ministry here at, at Berean. A couple, oh, last month, our brother Matt Amison was with us, Right? And Matt shared about all the various individuals, men and women from this church who have grown up in our care, who are now in leadership around the world, in our church fellowship, in other communities, in other churches. We, we, have, we have trained leaders, young people. We, we, we have created, we're trying to create a context and an environment, just like in your homes. You, you try to create a context and environment where, it's, where people are, are, are raised in a way that is positive and godly and allows them to, to, to do what God would have them to do, right? How do we create that context? Friends, I want to suggest to you that we create that context. We're talking here to, to he says, flee the evil desires of youth, the passions of youth. And I think it's wrong if we just restrict this to sensuality. I think in Timothy's case, he, and it's, a, it's an ongoing verb. It's a present infinitive. He's, he is doing this. He is fleeing these things. He says, continue to do this. Timothy, continue to lead the way you're leading. Continue to do these things. Don't get trapped and snared in these 
endless arguments and debates and heresies. Teach people. Do it right. But don't come down to that level and end up fighting and quarreling. Boy, do we need this advice today huh? in, our, in our culture. And not only in the church, but in our culture in general, but in the church as well, it, 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 it's impervious. How do we create that context? You know, there's the other side of it. There's that, what, what if, if, if God were writing to those of us who are older, and I'll include myself there, right? Okay? If you can get a senior discount to Pancake, Pancake House, include yourself in this, all right? <laughs> If God were giving us advice, if this letter was being written to older believers in the church, what might he tell them to avoid? What might be the, the passions of old age? Uh, being older, okay? That's a very relative term, okay? But we got people here in their 90s, and we got people that are, that are in children's church, okay? It's a, it's a relative term, but, if, but what would he say to us? Would he say to us, if he wants us to be gentle and kind and avoid arguments as well, would he say to, to avoid the temptation that nothing can ever change? That just because, it, just because it worked for us in our era, that that's the way it's always going to be? I mean, come on, look, look at history. Look what has changed. Is it, is it all bad? Isn't there a lot of good things that have happened? Would you like to turn the clock back a thousand years? Huh? No. <laughs> no. You wouldn't want to be in church a thousand years ago, probably. Maybe you would. But there's a lot of great things. But, you know, we have this, I guess what I'm saying is, how do we find this balance as individuals, as families, as a church family? How do we find this balance that allows us to bring in the idealism and strong passions of youth in a positive way and bring in the advice and guidance and experience of life and bring those two together to create a balance where we really complement and help each other. Do you really want to have a church where there are no young people? Do you want no idealism? Were you ever idealistic? Was that bad? Was some of it tempered through life? And did you find out, as I found out, that nothing's ever as simple as it seems, right? When it comes to all sorts of things in life. Do you not want that idealism and that positive passion of young people? And that, that positive passion that says, yes, I, I think there are some things we could do that would be good changes. And to have that positive experience from those who have walked with the Lord for years to come alongside and say, Amen, hallelujah, sister and brother. Let's work together. Here's some things I've learned. And here's some things I want to share with you. To, to bring those two together and to avoid arguments and stupid discussions and things that get us off track and find that way to work together as a church family. You uh, thank you so much for your commitment, and I appreciate your attitude. When we do something like we're doing over here in our building, it's going to be a big change. And uh, if you, some of you are going to walk through there right now and say, wow, they took away our wall. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> it's different. But if you could use your architect's imagination and see it 
finished. And see it finished. You're going to see it finished. And you're going to see what we're, what we're trying to create, a, a place for community. Where this neighborhood is changing. This neighborhood is changing drastically and dramatically. And we want to be a place, and, and young families and young people that, that, that really like these open areas for community, we want this to be this place where they're welcome and, and feel like that's who we are. Amen? We need to step forward and do this, and we're doing it. That's just one area. Listen, I want to, I want to close with this. I asked you, what's, what's, the, what's the best piece of advice you ever got? And I, I've, got, I've, been, I've been given a lot of advice in my life. But you know, I keep coming back to a piece of advice that wasn't given to me specifically, but was given to us as a church. I've never forgotten it. And it's so appropriate. Some years ago, our brother Sam Vinton Sr. How many of you remember Sam Vinton Sr.? Okay, Sam, for those of you who don't, that weren't here, because he died some years. How many years ago did he die, Bob? Ten years ago, maybe, or so? Sam was, Sam was a, a missionary in Africa. Amazing, thank you. Is that what you said? Amazing. Sam was a missionary in Africa. He went out there to the Congo. He was there for literally over 70 years. Missionary in Congo. Fourth generation of Vintons are serving in Africa today. We're going to have one with us at our missions conference. Fred Vinton. Fred and Karen are going to be back with us at our missions conference this year. He's second generation. Their kids and others were third. Bill Vinton, who we support, is out in, in uh, Malawi today. Uh, Steve Vinton. You know, the Vintons have a... Sam went out there, and Sam told the story. Sam came here when he was in his 90s. And Sam couldn't see hardly anymore. He was home because he had vision problems. And, uh, and he was here. And um, I always remember, we had him, I don't know if you remember, so we, uh, we had him up front. He was preaching, and he asked Tom Dranth to read the scripture for him. Remember, Tom was up there, and Sam kept telling him, and Tom's reading, no, 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 that's the wrong passage. Run, no, run, no, run, no, no. Tom was just like, you know. Anyway, he finally got it right. We got the right passage. He gave his message. And Sam was a man, after 70 years in the mission field, who really had that balance of idealism and passion with wisdom. We went over to uh, Christian Ministries to, when he was here on one trip, they had a ministry where you could come and get things to send to the mission field. Missionaries could. And he came and he got all sorts of medical supplies, surgical supplies for the clinic. I mean, you name it. He got all these things, boxes and boxes, and we sent them to Zaire. Where, now it was Zaire. He went there as a Belgian Congo. It was Zaire where he was still working. And he went back there and used it. He came back these years later when he was here at our church that I'm going to talk to you about. And he wanted to go back there. And so I wasn't sure what to do because I heard he wasn't going back to the field. So I, I called the office, and his son, Sam Jr., right, was the president of GMI, Grace Ministries now. He had come home from Africa, and he was the president. He says, no, he's not going back. He's not going back. He said his, his health is too bad. We're trying to get – he needs his – he's not going back. So I went in the office and said, Sam, you, you can't go back. Your son says you're not – he doesn't know anything. What is he talking about? <laughs> So I'm going back. Guess what? He went back. <laughs> he went up there and got boxes of stuff. He went back. Okay? He was an amazing guy. He had that passion and idealism that you would expect from a young missionary, tempered with that experience. His wife died in Congo, and she was buried there. 
after 70-some years. And, and Sam, I think the biggest, the biggest blow in his life was he had to die here and couldn't be buried back there. Okay, here's the advice he gave us. He told us this. He says, when I went out to Africa, it must have been 1930 or something, maybe, Gunny, I'm guessing, late 20s, 30. He was a young man. He was going to go to the Congo. Now, back then, going to the Congo as a missionary meant it's not like today where you could fly. It was a boat trip. It was a long ordeal. You would not be coming back very often. And he didn't. Sam did not come back very often to the States. He did not come back. He said, my father told me, I'm in here in my 20s. I told my dad, Dad, I I'm, 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 feel God wants me to go to Congo to be a missionary. And, and, he told his, and he told his dad, Dad, now how would you feel, parents? You're 20-year-old, 22-year-old, young, young Mary, you, you're going to go to Africa, you're not coming back for a long time. And he said, Here's your, he said, my dad gave me this advice. He said, I support you. If that's where God's called you, then you go. And that's why his son Sam, he, he really bristles when, when he says, when I every so often I hear someone say, I'm not sending my kids to, to a Christian college. They might marry an, a, someone and go to Africa. Like that's the worst thing in the world to go to South America or, or Asia or Africa as a missionary. And Sam says, what? That's where God called him. It was the best. His dad said, Sam, you go. But here's my advice to you when you go. I tell you, this is my advice to you today, friends, that I want to leave with you. This is the best advice that I think I could receive going into the Lord's work and you could receive going into this week. His dad said this, when you go there, never criticize, never complain, offer them something better. Never criticize. You're not going there to criticize them. You're not going to criticize their life. They've been, they have their culture. We're not there to change their culture. We're, we're going there for a purpose as missionaries. We're not going there to criticize like we're better than them. And we're not going there to complain. If you're going to go there and complain, just come home. No one's making you go. But offer them something better. If you have something better, give it to them. And of course, what he meant was the gospel of Jesus Christ. Offer them something better. And I, I think about this every so often. I think about this advice. And I wonder, is this, is this practical for you and me this week? You know, one of the problems, and I'll admit... As I get older, I know it, I find myself complaining and criticizing more. Right? It comes with the territory. I'm sorry, young people, you'll, you'll, you'll see. It's something you really have to fight against because it's just easy to do. It's just easy to do. Never criticize. Never complain. Offer them something better. Wouldn't this be great if this is how people remembered us? People that encounter us this week. That we aren't here to, to, to criticize. We aren't here to complain. We are here to bring something better. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'll leave that with you today. 
as my advice that I received, that I found helpful. I think that's what Paul is telling Timothy. Timothy, you don't have to quarrel. You don't have to fight. Avoid those passions of youth, that idealism, and channel it in the right way. And offer them something better. Perhaps God will step in and change. That's his role. That's my advice to you today. But more importantly, that's my advice to me today. And you hold me accountable. If you hear me criticizing, complaining, say, hey, Pastor Jim, what about that message? What about that message? Do you remember that? It's okay. Unless you're my wife. (laughs) Or my daughter. Never criticize. Never complain. Let's offer something better. And let's find, let's, let's create a context in a, in a place where our young people are nurtured in this type of context as God takes them to lead others. Pastor Gary, where are you? Come on up. Let's close our service with our final song. And again, uh, God bless you for coming today. You could be anywhere this morning. You've chosen to come to worship. God bless you and thank you. We leave this morning. Young people, there's a sign-up right there. Come and join us. On The staff is helping Pastor Kevin put this on on Tuesday. If you've already called the office, that's fine. There's a sign-up right there. Just put your name on us. We know how many are coming. And then stop by the backpack table if you're interested in sponsorship or any questions about that. And thank you again for your great response to that ministry. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. We thank you, Lord, that we humbly... Uh, and, and thankfully, can, can say this, we'd rather have Jesus. And Father, you offer freely the Lord Jesus to us. And we pray if there's a person here today who's never received forgiveness for sins and eternal life, that in this quiet moment they would look to you and say, I don't understand it all, but the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for our sins and suffer the punishment for sin so that we could be forgiven and we can be part of your family forever, part of the body of Christ, the church. And I wish to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior today. May they make that decision in their heart today. And Father, as, as we go, I just I ask, beginning with me, that as a church family, this could be said of us. We're not here to criticize and complain. We are here to offer something so much better that could ever be offered. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ who loved us. In his name we pray, amen.